That's right. We're here on Blog Talk Radio, and today is Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll with me, your host, Mo. And today I have a really awesome guest, um, the author J.R. Luxer. And the author is a team, and they've written several books on BDSM. And I'm really excited to have them on the show because I think that BDSM there's a lot of myths around it, and there's a lot, a lot of false beliefs around it with this movie hype that came out, Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, there's this kind of undertone that there's some form of abuse involved or um, some form of childhood abuse maybe. Um, and I think that there's just a lot of fallacies around it. So it is my pleasure to bring back to the studio today, um, the author, J.R. Luxer, to discuss their books on BDSM. Hello, J.R. Luxer. How are you today? Hello, Mo. I'm feeling pretty good, Mo. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, Many of our listeners are really curious about BDSM, and I think that the mainstream stuff that's out there on BDSM can be a little misleading. Um, Very misleading. So I think... yeah, so I, I'm really super excited to have you um, to help break down some of those fallacies. So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, my first question for you is your, you go by the name J.R. Luxer. So this is, sounds like it's a, an anonymous name, right? Sure, sure. You know, in today's world, there's so much judging. Uh, BDSM has become semi-popular, sort of it's popular to whisper about, let's put it that way, uh, as a result of, uh, well, the book and movie you were talking about. But it's still extremely misunderstood. Yeah, can you tell us from from your perspective how that how sure, that is? Sure. Well, I think the popular belief, like you meant listen to yourself, you mentioned it, you talked about the movie, and then, oh, well, maybe it was child abuse. There had to be something, right? Many people mm-hmm. think you have to be psychologically unbalanced. This is not our experience. There are about as many unbalanced people uh, doing anything else and vice versa. Uh, some people are tormented and use BDSM as a means of dealing with those struggles, but just as many tormented people enter into uh, other milieus. Well, we find that BDSM can provide a dynamic for sexual passion. It certainly provides infinite variety, which uh, mm-hmm. is which haunts some couple, and even romance and intimacy. We think it's an option for a dynamic romance or 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 sexual relationship. Absolutely. And so, is this how it happens for you? Well, sure. Uh, we talk about it all the time. We talk about. We communicate. One thing that about BDSM is it's sure a catalyst for communication. Couples complain, mostly the women, but couples admit, including the men, that their relationships fail because of lack of communication, right? Well, right. you get it, you begin BDSM with anyone, you are going to be communicating. And <laughs> it, it's so exciting. There isn't that temptation often to go outside the relationship for more because there's an infinite more in there. I'm not saying that all men cheat. I'm saying men are genetically wired to have wandering eyes. Okay? No objections. Mm. No no one raises a hand in objection. Okay. <laughs> the BDSM thrill can reduce that tremendously. 
Sure. And I, you know, I want to also add in there that women do also have wandering eyes um, as well. And I think that much of what I see as a sex therapist in my practice is that lack of communication is at the core of of straying Certainly. and wanting to go outside and having all these fantasies that people think are fetishes and that are wrong and, and things like that. So I think what you're saying is, is having an, a healthy outlet with somebody that you're comfortable with and honest with um, can potentially eliminate a lot of these negative things that we see in relationships. True, true. Great. We knew that already, but what I'm saying is that BDSM is a catalyst for communication, more so mm. than more so than synchronized swimming, more so than team dancing. You you have to be communicating or 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 you you, you can't get five minutes into it, obviously. Right, right. So I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. You guys write books about this. So um, what genre category would you consider um, that most fit with sure, uh, sure. your book? Except for one, except for one, their erotica, we have a first book called The Romance of Cunnilingus, and that was mm-hmm. definitely educational. That was a serious, a serious way to, with humor, discuss uh, and demystify cunnilingus. That was definitely pure educational. But the four-book series we're talking about, which we call The Circle of Rope, BDSM romance, wearing his collar, submissives caught on camera, and a unicorn's book of threesome sex stories, they all have an element of educational in that they provide a kind of public service message because we're always referring to safety and respect and uh, communication and negotiation and full disclosure. But we've considered this question before. If I had to pick a category, I'd pick triple X erotica. It's usually not a category available. So we go with erotica most of the time because it's usually available. Okay, gotcha. And to what extent are the characters in the in the book uh, real? Or are, uh, you know, are they okay. new? Okay, getting into dangerous <laughs> ground here, getting into dangerous ground, so I'll be careful. All of the characters are based on actual people or in some cases composites of people. That's about as detailed as we want. If you're looking for addresses and maps to someone's house, uh, can't help you. The names have been changed to protect the kinky. And so no specific character is based on one single life real person. Oh, let me see. I think all of the male characters are composites. There are a couple females. I'm thinking, if you know the books of Roxy and Tammy, who correspond pretty closely to their real-life models, Certainly for those two, the transformations that both of them went through were based on explanations of stories I've heard from those specific women. Okay. Okay. Cool. So the fourth book in the series is Unicorn, um, a book of three Sure, that's the last of the fourth. That's the last of the Mm -hmm. fourth, but the series morphs into a succession of a new series of books, and uh-huh. Mo, as a sexual psychologist, you might be interested to know that the main character of the new series is Bridget Fox, who is a sexual uh, psychologist and therapist. Uh, and it follows nice. her adventures. Yes, yeah. Well, there's mm-hmm. so much material there, as you might, you know, as you can attest. Uh, and there's lots more storyline uh, because now we can. The character Bridget, who was introduced in Submissives and was central to Unicorn. Um, is the main character, and the first two books of her series are Bridget and the Voodoo Queen and Bridget on Treasure Island. 
Oh, I see. So you're morphing it. I see. You're taking one of the characters and introducing a new we're actually, series. We're actually taking all of the characters, but about half of them just drop out because they're not going to the places where the adventures are occurring. But all of the people are <laughs> still exist. We sometimes get an email from one of them, call another for a, a, a reference, something like that. So it's the same group, but someone else is, is picking up the torch and leading the way, and that would be... That would be your Bridget, the sexual psychologist. Who else would we want to lead the way? <laughs> got it, got it, got it, sure. Okay, cool. So um, my next question, I, I feel like you've used the phrase public service message a few times. Um, sure, sure. Now, are you, <laughs> are you entirely joking, or do you actually see a therapeutic or instructional side to your book? Oh, those, those words are well-chosen, therapeutic and instructional. The sex scenes are provocative role-playing skits which couples can reenact at home. And as our Dr. Bridget Fox says, many couples who might otherwise have their relationships fall apart in infidelity never experience that because there's so much infinite excitement and satisfaction in the multidimensional sex of role-playing. This is especially true after they've tried it. They built a scene with lighting and scents and costumes and wigs and BDSM toys. Mm-hmm. So it, it so, really is therapeutic and instructional at the core, yes. Right. And now you wrote the fourth book, Circle of Rope, um, series with the idea of providing readers with templates for role-playing skits. Yes, but not all of them. The first one, BDSM okay. Romance, was written with the idea that it might be a first exposure for some to bondage sex or rough sex. So an orientation of vocabulary, props, toys, protocols, and safety had to be interwoven into the story. The others of the three of the series are pretty much, yes, great role-playing skits, uh, but we have to constantly put everything with the examples of negotiation. No, no one walks into a room and says, tie me up, I'm curious as to see what you're going to do to me. That doesn't happen. Right, right. So is all of that, the safety portion of it, um, all the protocols, you're saying it's interwoven into the story? So is it interwoven into the... Okay. Okay. So it's part of the... Because even when we have what what would be a forced sex scene, we have Mm -hmm. in the story, we show both participants going through the, the negotiation going through the protocols of what are we going to do, what are our boundaries, what are our limitations. And if I may add, this is a lot more than happens in in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's, I I guess what I'm getting at is if I were to recommend this book to a couple, for example, that's sitting on my couch, would they, it, it sounds like it would have with like written into the script all of those rules and guidelines to help them develop that communication aspect while delving into this. Sure. We try not to be too uh, authoritarian. We give several examples showing how the different couples, uh, showing how the different couples acted out. Uh, mm. I, I once saw a, well, it, it was it was a porn scene, but it had the couples doing the negotiation at the beginning, and I guess it was supposed to be funny. The the female whipped out an 18-page typewritten questionnaire, which took them two hours to go through before they started. Okay, that might be how someone out there does it. 
what I'm trying to say, I'm being too wordy, is that everyone does it differently, but everyone, but the books teach you that you you go into every encounter with both parties knowing what what to expect and with both parties knowing how to stop it. Excellent. Excellent. Perfect. And give them you give them that creative freedom, you know, to do it and, and a style that's good for them. So what about sure, if you make you, it too JR strict, Lexer? people won't be able to follow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, my next question was going to be a personal one for you. Do you have any favorite scenes? Oh, we have several. Um, I think one is, we call the librarian. We remember from making videos, and they were erotic videos, that everyone knows from watching porn that everything is thrilling and exciting for five seconds, and then they are laying there. Okay, and okay, yeah, no, the anatomy is not new. No, I've seen that before. Been there, done that. And the way we found to inject instant variety is to have movement. So in one scene that was completely uh, choreographed in advance, keep in mind, in the book Submissives Caught on Camera, they're videoing themselves. They're taking turns making videos. So, of course, it's Mm -hmm. all scripted. And they would have a timer of 20 or 30 seconds, and every time the timer would go bing, everyone would have to get, and they would work it into the plot, but everyone would get up and move around on stage. Typically in a struggle chase takedown, the girl would escape with, but they would grab her blouse and that would pull off, and then she runs elsewhere and they jump over furniture and she's cornered and she's tied down, but the bell goes ding and then she escapes. And so there's constant motion and there's constant activity and movement that provided a lot of excitement. So I'd say that was my Great. favorite if I had to had to choose just one. Nice. So uh, one thing about writing two, together. Uh-huh. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Actually, I'm curious what it's like to write together. Um we're we're a male female writing uh team and I do most of the writing and to a large degree, her role is taming my beast because I have a tendency to go too far. Think of the phrase, no commercial potential. <laughs> and so, uh, she, keeps me, she keeps my crayon between the lines. We have a skit called The Gambler's Wife. Uh, in its original version, it was, I would probably say, too racy. I would admit but it was so great. I didn't want to change it, but she worked on me and worked on me and got me to change it. And it's better because of it, because we're writing for other people. We're not writing for people who live this and write it all the time. We didn't want to blow everyone Mm -hmm. out of the waters. Right, right. You want to make it, you know, palatable. Indeed. And so it ends up being funny and funny and cute as well as sexy. Gotcha. How exciting. Cool. So... Um, my next question is, I guess, do you think that most couples who experience BDSM and the BDSM lifestyle are typical of your characters in your book? Okay, Mo, if you've ever been to a stage play, you'll notice that everyone looks just like they should from the audience. But if you go backstage after the play to chat with the people, you'll see that the men have lipstick on and the women have makeup that look like they came out of a circus. The reason is they have to wear super makeup to be seen from the audience so far away. 
uh, down in mm-hmm. down in the 18th row center. That's why the men have to have lipstick, so you know they have lips. So here, uh, I would say we had to paint the BDSM characters in very broad, uh, deep strokes and dark colors. So mm. everyone doesn't do it like our characters unless they're constantly doing it in front of other people. So remember, one of our repeating themes is that there are many stories of the Naked City, and everyone's favorite story is different. Even in a specific scene, people enjoy the same thing in different ways. Consider a female character. Let's take Curie, one of my characters. Picture her naked except for her leather collar. She's sitting on the floor in a corner of the room. There's a chain attached to her collar, and the other end is fixed to a ring in the wall behind her. Different people see that scene, but they find different things about it sexy. Mm, okay, Example. so can you, can, yeah. Sure. Some will look at Curie and are thrilled by the naked female body. That's basically everyone. That would be the most general response. Some are also drawn to her collar. She's controlled. She's dominated. So to them, the domination is the thrill. To some, her nakedness and collar objectify her. Objectification is as exciting to some men and some women as it is offensive to some other women. To others, Curie's nakedness and the captivity of her collar and chain suggest how vulnerable she is to being used, being hurt. The masochism dynamic is excited by what her vulnerability promises. In other words, it's not, let's not stereotype the bondage devotees. They're really as similar and as different as everyone else. Right. Good point. So you guys write and live together full time. Is that challenging? Uh, it's challenging, uh, but it's as much as any other relationship, but it's wonderful. Uh, we've worked out, you might appreciate this as a sexual psychologist, we call it the, 30, the 51% principle. I wake up every morning saying, I'm going to do 51% of this relationship, not 50, 51. I'll do a little more, and that's my gift to her. Now, if one person does that and they're do it alone and the other person's not reciprocating, that won't work. That'll lead to resentment. But if both people do it, if everyone is always being careful to make sure the other person has the right amount of cream in their coffee, or can I get that for you so you don't have to get up, then you have complete trust and everything else falls into place so easily. Well said. Such an excellent point. So you have some special offers for our listeners today. Sure, got two of them. First of all, for anyone who wants something for nothing, you came to the right place. We have uh, a taste of our humor and sexiness in the form of Cindy's oral interview. It's a 10-page short story that is very uh, typical, illustrative of of our style. Uh, You can go to jrluxor.com, sign up for the free short story, say in writing, Click a button that says you're over 18, and we will send it to you for free. Also, for those interested in the dynamic of our four couples in the Circle of Rope series, these four books, we have a special prize at Amazon. The four-book series sells for $12 bought individually. So as a set, they're marked down to $9.99. But for one week starting tomorrow, not today, but tomorrow, the 14th of May, you can get all four books of the Circle of Rope series at Amazon for $5.99. You won't be bored. Wow, awesome. So, uh, listeners, I will post that link um, at the bottom of the episode in the comments um, when the show is done. So, 
definitely check that out. Now, Jr. are all are the books all about whips and chains? Uh, well, a dominant submissive relationship is dynamic because you can do it differently. You can practice protocols that allow you to explore different ways of interacting with each other. Sometimes the princess, sometimes the captive girl, sometimes the handsome stranger, sometimes the cruel kidnapper. They can all be played out. It's not always whips and chains. Sometimes it's cherries and whipped cream. Communication is everything. It's important to agree, again, for the eighth time, ahead of time what roles we're taking and what our expectations are of ourselves and our partner. Remember there's a secret part of you that you hide from everyone. You used to hide it from yourself, remember? Maybe you were turned on by a scene in a movie. Uh, when I was a little kid, I watched an old black-and-white Murders of the Rue Morgue. It had a scene with a actual dungeon where there was a woman in a black slip, chain spread eagle to a damp stone wall. There were torches lit along the wall. The villain didn't do anything sexual to her, but it was that visual of her chained to the wall, spread eagled in a torn, flimsy garment. I can still see it. In the original King, King Kong, I remember Fay Ray tied spread eagle on a platform. You might think I'm, I like spread eagle as a pose, and you might be right. With Fay Ray, there were loud drum beats in the background, again with the torchlights. I still mm-hmm. like torchlights. Mm-hmm. You, you should see my candle drawer. The scene was exciting <laughs> for me before I understood that it was even sexy. Mm. If we react to things that way as children, we soon learn that these are attitudes that are frowned upon. Such yeah. thoughts are either sinful, wicked, bad, or wrong. Let me slap your hand. Oh, it's in your mind? Here, I'll slap your mind. You happy now? Or otherwise keep them hidden in the backs of our minds to be resurrected when we are, are free finally from those oppressive people. Religion used to be useful in helping us hide those parts from ourselves. Wasn't Enter BDSM role-playing. It's like being able to take the genie out of the bottle while knowing you'll be able to get it back again. Won't you, Mo? Like in one of the books, <laughs> Steve is excited about mm-hmm. the fantasy of rape. Roxy's has a fantasy about being raped, and she imagines being raped typically during her consensual sex. They planned and acted out a chase, struggle, and takedown scene. Mm-hmm. Perfect, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. wouldn't think so. I admit the scenes are a little extreme. They are porn. We're writing books for people to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that's the reality. As much as we weave character development and plot into the storyline, the books are founded on the skits that are so exciting. That's what makes them different. Mm-hmm. Everything from a Shakespearean bravo, which actually was constructed entirely of quotes from Shakespeare's, from various Shakespearean plays, to the library scene I mentioned before. It's all in fun. Love it. Love it so much. So what about um, people's reviews of your books? Have you read any? Oh, what a delight. The most flattering one was actually from a female dom who said she was offended that all of my doms in the story were male and said, would she say the female subs? Oh, quote, lots of gushing, unquote. I, she, I think she thought our subs were too, well, too subservient. She said she wouldn't even read another J.R. Luxor book. So that's the most flattering review? Well, she was an experienced reviewer, and before she condemned the book at the end, she discussed the sex scenes and the humor. And she said, 
several times how sexy the forest sex skits were and how she appreciated the funny parts. I think she used the phrases beautifully written and very hot sex two or three times each. She just didn't nice. like the exclusively heterosexual orientation, but I can live with that. As for gotcha. our subs being okay. cast in the light, yeah. As for her thinking the subs are unflattering to females in general, I can just say these are grown women consenting adults who are actually pretty representative of what's really going on out there in the dating milieu, trymatch.com. They have mm-hmm, to enjoy mm-hmm. a type of sexual excitement in which the fantasy of forced sex or rough treatment enables them to, possibly enables them to attain orgasm instead of not. Certainly to enjoy sex more fully. In other words, being handled gently doesn't work for them, okay? Let's have a little mm-hmm. compassion here. No one would argue against the proposition that some women attain orgasm more easily than others or that much of that is psychological, not like the automatic right. men, Right. No disagreement so far. Then why disparage a woman if she needs to feel controlled, handled, as in manhandled, and dominated in order to have an orgasm if that's her thing? It's a fantasy, people, a role play. Right. So that sounds like a public service (laughs) again. Um, So because it's a fantasy, it's not harmful or dishonest. Not harmful or dishonest. The circle of rope series preaches negotiation and consent as an important part of a BDSM interaction, which establishes full disclosure for both parties. I ask you, is that more than the dating world requires to our last recollection, Mo? I find the negotiation mm-hmm. and consent of BDSM like Mayberry in the 50s uh, for honesty compared to the I've never done this before or the I'll call you in the morning polite lies that accompany the meetup with strangers that the public finds normal and acceptable. <laughs> so true. So you kind of describe your themes as really out there. Do you find yourself pushing the envelope, in, in, you know, in terms of edginess um, in order to have to outdo, for, like, for example, what your characters did last time? Oh, and at what point are we jumping the shark? Sure. I, I thought of that, and we're pretty careful not to change the sexual habits of the characters, except for the one named Curie, because she was the newbie to BDSM, so of course she goes through changes. And she mm-hmm. was the vehicle, in fact, for discussing the rules, the protocols and vocabulary, and certainly the concepts of negotiation and arrangements. The challenge has not been resisting going farther each time. The challenge has been how to practice bondage sex with consistent boundaries and limits and still maintain the feelings of variety and excitement. And the key to that has been the skits. Everybody loves skits. Women will admit that they do. Let's have a little play. And men won't admit that they love it, that they do love it, and they ham it up more than the women. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. And couples can add things and they add their imagination and, and then suddenly they're into it and they're enjoying the skits as much as the sexy part. Right. And I often recommend actually role play for couples. I think that it's an excellent oh, way to. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So my, my question You are going to love you... following Dr. Bridget Fox. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to follow <laughs> Dr. Bridget Fox. <laughs> um, I have a question for newbies. Um, something that people that are new to BDSM might ask. Um, Do you, I mean, do your characters practice BDSM every single time they have sex or only sometimes? And if sometimes, how often? Great question. 
this concept was addressed early in the Circle of Rope series. The characters, and I think most couples who practice BDM in their relationship, soon realize they have to have tiers of protocol. There are formal occasions with rules and dress codes. That's what everyone thinks of. There are titles and ways to stand and certainly to dress. But there are less formal occasions when the same people are together. One of the subs called the dress code for these in the books, Dom Casual. A lower tour where when you're at work or you're in the public and not with your group. Subtle rules and costumes, accessories up here in public too for most couples because they want to be reminded secretly of the dynamic between Dom and Sub. Uh, the women might wear chokers, which are also collars. Certainly sexy borderline slut wearer or ropes worn under under their work clothes in public. To answer your question mm-hmm. more directly, though, Mo, our characters don't always use the costumes and toys of BDSM for sex, but they do always maintain the Dom-Sub power exchange. Examples include eye contact and the way the Dom handles the sub. It's always there. No, don't look away. Meet my eyes. It's always there. Ownership, control, turning decisions over to someone else and just enjoying the ride. Right. So it's it's an integrated part of the relationship. So it's 24-7. 24-7, but to varying degrees. When you're groggy and you wake up and you're getting breakfast, it's uh, you just can't maintain the strictest protocols all the time and still maintain the quality. It uh, it's becomes diluted and worn down. But, uh, it, it's best saved for the occasional when it can be enjoyed in the extreme, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what... Um, what can you tell us about slutwear? Do you use that word sure. frequently? Sure. Uh, it's an endearing term for the sexy outfits the females wear. People get bent out of shape because of the word slut. You're probably familiar with the excellent uh, psychological book, uh, The Ethical Slut. Mm-hmm. Um, slut is a negative connotation in our society, but there are words that are used in BDSM exchanges that are considered unacceptable on the outside, but are endearing to your group. It's almost the glue that binds the group together, the vocabulary we share that the others don't know about, that sort of thing. And this heightens the passion. And I guess, yes, it's kind of talking dirty, uh, the role-playing, the protocols of BDSM suit, uh, what the couples call each other. That's going to that's gonna be very key to their relationship, isn't it? Uh they might be appalled to hear some of the things that are said, but if you go to YouTube and you look up how to talk dirty, you know how many results you get? Just under 4 million. This is for YouTube. Yeah. That's a substantial amount yeah. of interest. So what right. people don't like in public is not always what people don't like in private. So true. I, I totally agree. Um, now, do you see the barrier lifting anytime soon? Well, the short answer is gradually yes, but the more thought-out answer is, in a way, it's not entirely a good thing because if something isn't forbidden, it doesn't taste quite as good. Okay? Uh, right. Remember, it's not BDSM for the sake of making someone else diminished. It's part of a power dynamic between two people, no matter who's the top. Uh, 
again, it comes back to communication and sexual honesty. Gotcha. So um, we're running out of time here, J.R. Luxer. Um, I want to give listeners an opportunity to follow Bridget. Um, so tell us where we can find all of the stories and all your books, and just why don't you wrap it up and let us know where um, the listeners can purchase your stuff and find you, the author. Sure. Uh, the place to purchase our stuff is Amazon, and specifically on Amazon Kindle. And, of course, everyone who has a laptop or a uh, tablet has a Kindle because Kindle provide, Amazon provides you with a free Kindle app. So if you have a computer, laptop, or desk, you already have a Kindle, and you can download the books from there. We also have a right. website, jrluxor.com, where you can uh, pick up an occasional free short story from us little freebies like that. But uh, the books right. are available through Amazon. And you have a special offer starting tomorrow. Why don't you repeat that for the listeners? Glad to. On Amazon, Kindle, uh, the Circle of Rope, four book series, uh, BDSM Romance, and, and the others are normally available, bought individually for $12. Uh, they're sold as a group of four for nine ninety nine. But starting tomorrow... You can get them for five ninety nine, the Circle of Rope series, on Amazon Kindle. Excellent, and I'll be posting those links on the episode, um, as well as on Twitter and on Facebook. So if you follow me, you'll you'll get access to those. Thank you so much for your time today, Jr. Luxor. It was such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Mo. As as you are a sexual psychologist, I will think of you the next time I'm putting words into Bridget's mouth or anywhere else. <laughs> Awesome. I look forward to reading about more about Bridget. Thank you so much, Mo. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.